Thank you. Appreciate that. Amen. Um, today we're going to look at the passage that Allison just read for us. Uh, 2020 for us is the year of perfect vision, and we're focusing on Jesus Christ because we believe that Jesus is going to help us to see things more clearly and more accurately. So the title for this message, based on the passage from Colossians chapter 1, is Jesus is Supreme, right? And I couldn't resist with a title like that using the Supreme logo. Some of you may be familiar with it. Some of you may not. Supreme is a company, a skateboard company, that actually began in the mid-90s in New York City. It was just a shop where skaters would come to hang out. It was really more of a hangout and gathering place. And then they started making clothes, but they would just make, you know, a small amount, and they'd run out, and people would come, and they'd be like, how come there's no clothes in this store? This is really lame. You know, what is this spot? So they became very innovative. They started making high-quality clothes with a limited run. Um, they introduced the idea. They coined the phrase having a drop, so they would drop new merchandise, new clothes every Thursday, and it kind of caught on. It became very popular. And uh, this brand is still going strong today. Um, they make all kinds of products, all kinds of clothes, but they're committed to high-quality, limited-edition, original, one-of-a-kind things. And, and in many ways, um, Jesus is like that as well, right? But I'm sure there's some people here that would say, oh, Supreme's not that Supreme, right? Because we like to debate. We like to argue, right? We're gonna, I say Supreme has the best clothes. You'll tell me somebody else has the best clothes, right? Or we'll argue over who has the best coffee, right? Or, or who has the best food or who's the best baseball team. You know, everything. We like to debate who is the best, right? What is the best, the highest quality? And everybody's got their opinion, right? And it's based on their experience and what they like. But friends, I want to tell you this morning, this is the message that God has laid on me that is burning in my heart that when it comes to matters of God and faith and spirituality, Jesus really stands alone. He is truly the only one who is supreme. Friends, I want to tell you, Jesus is the only supreme leader, all right? Jesus is the mightiest avenger. Jesus is the chosen one. Jesus is the one and only, and he stands head and shoulders above the rest. In the passage that Allison read for us, it said that God gave Jesus Christ in all things the supremacy. So that is why I have titled my message this morning, that Jesus is supreme. Now, when you look at that passage that was read, it's like a manifesto of how great Jesus is. It's like a hymn to the majesty of who Jesus is. And there's so much that's packed into it. It's like one of those uh, health bars, you know, those protein bars. It's just got chocolate and fruit and nuts and everything packed into it. And, and it's just so powerful. There's so much theology in that one little passage because Jesus is so amazing, so supreme. So what I want to do is I want to take a look at that with you this morning, and I want to walk us through some of the things that we learn about Jesus because I really feel like we need to get a better picture of who Jesus is so that Jesus can help us to get a better picture of the world that we live in and even ourselves. We notice the first thing is that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. So Jesus helps us to see God. You see, before Jesus came in the Old Testament, it was difficult to see God. People didn't really see God clearly or, or couldn't see him in person. I'm thinking of Moses who went up on Mount Sinai and God said, Moses, you can't see my face. And Moses may have said, well, why, God, can't I see your face? And God gave a pretty good reason. Because if you see it, you'll die. At which point, if Moses was like me, he'd be like, okay, that's good. I don't need to see your face. Not ready to die yet. But God said, here, Moses, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take you into this mountain. He's on the mountain, right? And I'm going to put you in the crevice in this little kind of place in the rock, okay? And I'm going to put my hand over you so that I will pass by. And then you can look. And some translations say he could see the back of God. 
but it's more accurate. He could see where God had just been. Amen. How many of us know what that's like, right? We're, we're trying to get a clear vision of God, but sometimes we just see where he's been. We, we just get the remnants of it, right? I mean, Moses could hear God's voice. He heard God's voice speaking to him in the burning bush. Many people throughout history before Jesus could hear the voice of God somehow, some way. But to see him was a different thing entirely. Sometimes it might look like a flame. Sometimes it, it, it looked like a cloud, like the Shekinah glory this, this, that was covering, that was filling maybe the temple or the cloud that was guiding the people of God by night. Um, sometimes God would appear in the form of a person or, or maybe that was an angel that he sent as his messenger. But often people didn't know that it was God. You remember Jacob, he, he wrestled with kind of a mysterious figure in the middle of the night. And after it was all done, he said, oh, wait a minute, I think that was God. God was in this place, and I didn't even know it. So while the presence of God has always been with us, and the presence of God is everywhere, we know, even from our own experience, that it's possible to still not see God. We miss it all the time in so many ways, shapes, and forms. But Jesus is the image of the invisible God because Jesus is God. Jesus is God in the flesh come down. Therefore, we can now see what God looks like because of what Jesus looks like. Jesus came and said, let me show you what God is. All of the fullness of God was inside of him. John 1 puts it this way. John 1, 1 says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and made its dwelling place among us. So therefore, the Word is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the word of God that was with God from the beginning and was one with God. We believe that Jesus and God are, are the same, that there is a unity in their being, in their spirit, in their purpose. And along with the Holy Spirit, we worship God the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit in the Holy Trinity, believing that there is this unity, this supernatural, this supreme unity that is unlike anything else. And to be quite honest, even a little bit, beyond our comprehension. But Jesus is God. Therefore, Jesus helps us to see what God looks like. Jesus gives us greater clarity and accuracy to know what God really looks like. John 1 goes on to say in verse 18 that no one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son who is himself God has made him known. Very clear, very plain from Scripture. John is saying, look, I followed him, I spent time with him, I was one of his best friends, and I'm telling you now as I'm writing my recollections of my life with Jesus that he is God. And I know that none of us have really ever seen God, but Jesus helps us to see God. Friends, isn't that a glorious thing? That when we look at Jesus, when we study Jesus, when we listen to the words of Jesus, we can see God more clearly and more accurately. The manifesto goes on to say that he is the firstborn of all creation, for by him all things were created. Nothing has been made, it's been made, except that Jesus did it. Amen? That, that's where we get the words to that song. How many of you know that song, what a beautiful name it is, right? You know that song? You were the word at the beginning, one with God, the Lord most high. Your hidden glory in creation now revealed in Jesus Christ. To say that the word created everything, which John 1 says and Colossians 1 says. So Jesus was actually there at the beginning. Jesus was the one who created the world. Jesus was the one who spoke and things came into existence. Jesus said, let there be light. And suddenly there was light. Friends, do you understand the power 
of the words of Jesus? Why do you think I'm asking you, pleading with you, inviting you, exhorting you to read the Gospels in this year of 2020? This month I'm asking us to read the book of Mark, a chapter each day, because the words of Jesus have power. They're not just any old words. No wonder Jesus could say to the man, get up, take up your mat and walk, even though he was paralyzed. Because Jesus was the same one who said, let there be birds, and birds appeared out of nowhere. Right? No wonder Jesus could say to the little girl who was sick, who had really died, and said, get up, get up, have life again. He could call out to Lazarus, come out of that grave. Because he's the one that said, let there be rivers, and the rivers form. Let there be oceans, and the ocean form. Let there be cows, and cows came up out of nowhere. That is the power of the words of Jesus Christ. He is the firstborn over all creation. Everything was created by him. Nothing has been created. Colossians says even authorities, powers, principalities, spirits, the spiritual realm, nothing has been created except that Jesus created it. Jesus is the firstborn over all creation. He created the world and everything in it. What word is Jesus speaking into your life in 2020? Listen for it today, friends, because that word is not just any word. That is a word that can bring life, that can bring something out of nothing. You know, God taught me years ago that because he creates out of nothing, that sometimes he creates a space before he creates something new. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Sometimes you lose something. Sometimes there's something that needs to get away. Sometimes you need to find yourself disconnecting from certain things and in an empty space because out of that emptiness, Jesus created. Jesus stood there before anything was created, the spirit hovering over the deep, and he said, let there be light. Let there be everything. He's speaking into your life every day. Let there be. Let there be. Let there be. Are you listening? Are you hearing the word that God is speaking over you today and in this year? And then we learn that Jesus holds everything together, right? Jesus holds everything together. There is unity that we experience in this world, but it's nothing like the unity that we have in Jesus Christ, right? Jesus can hold all kinds of different things together, right? We unify around certain things, don't we? Maybe we unify around our sports team. If we like the same sports team, right, we have a unity. Or maybe we form around some organization that we're a part of, right? And there's some powerful unity, right? If, if it's unity, say, in the army or if it's unity, say, in a group that we're a part of, right, that's a strong unity, right? Our family sometimes, our bonds that we say, our family bonds are very strong. They give us unity. But I'm telling you, friends, that even stronger and more mightier than any of that is the unity that we have in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the head of his body, which is the church, meaning all of us are part of the body of Jesus Christ. Think about the unity of the body, right? My hand is not sitting down in that seat, right? My ear is not standing over there by the wall, right? Everything is held together in this unity and in the spiritual realm. Jesus is the head and he holds us all together. We are bound together so tightly it is amazing. Let me give you an example. Two of my closest friends are pastors that we partner with in other parts of the world. Pastor Roberto in Mexico and Pastor Antonio in Honduras. By the way, 
they both turned 50 recently as well. So isn't that weird that we all turned 50? Pastor Antonio a few days ago, myself last week, and Pastor Roberto in September. Like, and, 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 and we all have the same weird, crazy sense of humor. It's, it's just odd. But other than that, there's not much that's the same. They come from different backgrounds, they come from different countries, they come from different cultures, they've had different experiences in their life, but I'm telling you, it's unbelievable that those two men are closer to me than brothers. There is a unity that we have in Christ that is amazing, and I can't even hardly explain it. But friends, Jesus holds all things together. If there is any hope for this world that is being fractured and fragmented, and separated and segregated and seems to be falling apart around us. If there's any hope, it's Jesus Christ. Because in Jesus Christ, he holds all things together. He's also the firstborn from among the dead. Hallelujah. Jesus paves the way for resurrection. Resurrection meaning that after we die, then we will come alive again. Jesus paves that way. Jesus goes before us. Jesus says, I will experience death. I will enter into death. I will go down into the grave. And instead of staying there, which is what everybody thinks happens, I'm going to pave the way. I'm going to create a pathway. I'm going to create a door so that you can get through to the other side. And friends, that is our hope, right? Because sometimes you need somebody to do it to show you that it can be done. Amen? Sometimes, I mean, I don't... If you don't see somebody do it, I, I think of uh, kids on the playground, right? This little kid that, like, he sees this playground, and he sees the playscape ride, and it looks really big, you know, to a little kid, and he wants to climb up, but he's afraid, right? He's afraid to climb up and go down the big slide uh, because it looks too big. He doesn't think he can do it. But then along comes a friend, someone maybe who's just a little bit older, but not much, and he comes, he says, come on, we, you can do it. You can do it. Watch me. And that little kid climbs all the way up, and he gets on the slide, and he slides all the way down, right? And then the first kid sees that it can be done. Someone has gone before him. Someone has showed him that he can do it. And then what does that kid do if he's a good friend? He takes his hand, and he says, come with me. Come with me. We can do this. You can do it. Follow me. Friends, Jesus says when it comes to our life and the fear that we experience of death at the end, Jesus comes and takes our hand and says, I've been through it. I've died and come back again. Take my hand. I can walk you through this. You can make it. We can make it together. Hallelujah. And then finally, friends, I want to share with you that Jesus is the one who brings us back to God. The text says that Jesus is reconciling all things unto himself. And there is a way that he does this. And this is what I want us to focus on this morning. This is the message that I want to give us this morning that we might hear and experience the power of what Jesus has done for us. He does it through his blood that was shed on the cross for our sins. Let me tell you a story if I can this morning. In the beginning... After God had created everything, he created us. And we sinned. We rebelled against God. We turned our back on him. We thought that we knew better than God what was good for us. And because of that, death entered the world. And death is the greatest weapon that the devil has against life and against God. But today we still think we know better. 
As a human race, collectively, we believe that if we just work together, if we have enough money, if we have enough strength, if we have enough courage, that we can accomplish and overcome anything that is a threat to our existence. And we have accomplished some amazing and great things in this world. But friends, I want to tell you this morning that there are some things that are literally too big for us. We cannot eradicate evil. We cannot overcome our own sin. We cannot avoid death. And so often what we can't overcome, we choose to ignore. And we ignore our sin all the time in the name of freedom. Because we want so badly to be able to do whatever we want to do, whenever we want to do it, that we're willing to sacrifice the health and well-being of anything or anyone, including ourselves, just to feel good for a minute. And when we're suffering the consequences of our sin, and when we're realizing that we can't just fix it, we turn to God. We cry out to God, God, fix it. Fix them. Fix me. And our prayers really just become petitions for God to do our will. And when we don't get the immediate relief that we seek, we turn on God. We say, well, God doesn't care. God is distant. God is far away. Or God must be cruel and unjust to let this happen in my life. And friends, when that happens, our image of God becomes so ungodly that we wonder if God even exists. Let me say that again. Our image of God becomes so ungodly that we wonder if God even exists. And meanwhile, our life goes on, headed towards that inevitable appointment with death. We live, we suffer, we die. And we wonder, what is the purpose of it all? Enter Jesus, God in human form, born as a baby in Bethlehem. Raised as a carpenter in Nazareth, baptized as the Messiah in the Jordan River, hailed as the deliverer of all Israel, sought out as a great healer, respected as a great teacher, and then rejected as a teacher, accused as a threat, arrested as a criminal, executed as a rebel, hung on a cross, blood poured out, life laid down. For you see, friends, blood is the price. For the wages of sin is death. And we've all sinned. And we've all fallen short of the glory of God. And we haven't been able to do it. And we haven't been able to get out of it. And we haven't been able to fix it. And all hope seems lost. But God. But God. How many of you know the testimony of but God? Does anybody know the but God testimony? Where you were at a time and a place where everything seemed dark, where everything seemed to be going wrong, where everything was falling apart, and you thought there was no hope, there was no relief, you might not even make it, but God, can I get a witness this morning? Does anybody know but God? We just sang about it, and I'm not sure that we're yet singing it from our hearts, church. But God, rich in mercy, he came to save me. Now I'm alive. Friends, if we're alive, we better stop acting like dead people, amen? But God, rich in mercy. You see, the problem is, and the problem for Satan especially, is that God loves us too much to abandon us, right? So Jesus said, I'll pay the blood price. I'll lay down my life. I will die so that you, the beloved children of God, might live. For you see, God created life, right? 
but Satan counterpunched with death. But Jesus delivers the knockout blow with resurrection, right? Because when Jesus came up out of the grave, alive again, back and better than ever, death was defanged and sin was erased and Satan was defeated to the glory of God. And the universe is rejoicing in the hope that a great recreation is now underway for forgiveness is healing our lives and our hearts. And unconditional love is healing our minds. And there is surprisingly new life that is sprouting up out of the, dracked and the cracked and dry places in our soul. And all of our broken and scattered pieces are being carefully and creatively put back together Again, we are being made whole. We are being made new. We are being transformed into the glorious image of Jesus Christ, the Lord and Savior of the world. And hope is alive because Jesus is alive. The kingdom of God is coming to town. There is a new heaven on the way. There is a new earth on the way. There is new life for you and me today that begins now and never, ever, ever ends. And this seed of hope is watered by the blood of Christ that atones for our sins and disarms Satan so that we don't have to fear death any longer. It's a bold statement. It's a bold claim. I know it's audacious to believe that there really is life after death. To believe that somehow when this body dies, it's like we shed the skin and our soul, our spirit gets clothed in a glorious new image. And we will experience a greater reality than this. Uh, that, that's a bold statement. To believe that Jesus Christ is alive right now. That he's right here in this room. That he's sitting right next to you, resurrected and offering you the hope of resurrection after you die. It's amazing. Some would say that message of hope in Jesus Christ is too good to be true. But I tell you, it's too good not to be true. Because, friends, it is literally the good news that we've been waiting for our entire lives. It's the news that is water to our soul. It's the invitation that is being hand-delivered to you right now by the Holy Spirit. An envelope with your name on it. For Jesus is standing right next to you in this moment, I believe it, amen? I believe it. I need the worship team to come up, please, in this moment. For I believe that the presence of God is being released in this place with power. Would you feel it? Does, somebody, does anybody feel it? There's a stirring in somebody's soul this morning. There's like goosebumps on your arm. There's like the hair starting to stand up on the back of your neck. Some of you are saying yes, right? Right? You need to know that Jesus is closer than he's ever been to you before. That there is power in this place. That Jesus is bringing you back together. And he's bringing you back to God through his blood, his blood, his blood, his body, his life that he laid down on the cross for our sins to defeat the devil, to conquer death. The presence of God is in this place. And when the presence of God is in this place, heaven is in this place. Heaven is in this place. Go ahead, let's, let's experience the presence of God this morning. Just join with us in worship. If you would stand, I invite you to stand, to kneel, to sit. Let's just experience the presence of God in this place as we prepare for the table this morning.